that I record your face and put it up on the Patreon? No, not at all. Solid, 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 solid. Okay. So, hi, welcome to 12 Questions. Yay. Hey, guys. Um, I, first off, I'm going to read a little clarity statement if you're new to the podcast. Uh, that just kind of explains what this podcast is. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast, a podcast where we believe uh, growth and recovery isn't just for sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same. We are not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous narcotics anonymous or any other 12-step fellowship uh 12 questions pod has absolutely no opinion on the use of alcohol or drugs by anyone we are simply uh people who uh happen to believe in recovery and who want to interview cool people about their own life experiences although some of our guests may be clean and sober some of them are not or choose not to divulge the purpose of this podcast is to learn about ourselves we only hope you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening yay and today i am welcomed by the beautiful by the fabulous well you introduce yourself because people oftentimes want to stay anonymously on this podcast so you go ahead and you say how you want to be introduced Oh, no, I'm fine. Uh, hi, this is Bo Urban speaking here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This is great. I am so excited. I love that we're doing this because uh, I don't think we knew that we were both kind of the these kind of this, you know, drinking coffee in basements kind of people until mm-hmm. I was sleeping on your couch. And that is fabulous. I also <laughs> love that your dog kissed my face when he told you that he was never going to do it. I showed you how you just got to, you got to get in there. You got to get in there. You got to, you got to rub his cheek meat. You got to. He's only him. done it once since what? you left. I know. <laughs> what? Okay. I'm going to have Teach to get me. out there. I'm going to have to Please. get out there. Oh my gosh. I wish we were in person. We were going to see each other in July, but you know what? What things happened? We got that COVID going on. How have you been holding up? I've been doing pretty good. It was weird at first uh, to adjust, um, but now I'm working from home, so I'm getting used to it. But I do, I do miss the energy of like other people and um, having the option to be on stage. I miss that a lot. I, I like miss people I don't even like. You know. So, <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. I have not gotten there yet. There's some people I'm like, online, I'm like, yeah, I'm happy I don't have to see you. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Yeah. Love it. And you're also, you're a super funny comedian. Um, I loved your set. You're very fun. I just, Thank you. Just love you so much. I appreciate now, it. Now, I'm going to ask you 12 questions from a recovery perspective, and we'll get right on into the first one. How are you, how do you experience surrender? Um, you know, I just celebrated six years, like a, two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so 
doing the whoop whoop. Yeah, yes. I think I think surrender for me just means knowing that I don't have any control um, because I often try to control things. And then, you know, the more I force things to be a certain way, the worse it gets. There's this line that I love that's on a Green Day song and it says, you can't go forcing something if it's just not right. Yeah. And I truly, yeah, I believe in that. And um, I hang out with a really amazing group of supportive women and we travel together and when I'm feeling fearful or uh, insecure or jealous, I ask myself, what am I trying to control? And that helps a lot just to kind of remind myself um, that I don't have control. But it's a constant reminder. Yeah. yeah. I had to make a phone call today. I was like, my roommate's been gone a lot. And I wonder if I said something to offend her. And he was, <laughs> you mean your roommate's not hanging out in the house that she owns because you offended her? Is that is this how you're making this about you? And I was like, <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> but yeah, like it is like, what am I trying to control? It's like, oh, I'm trying to control that everybody's happy. I'm trying to control that everybody's sane and I can't. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. I think like one of the most, like, most mind blowing things my therapist told me was that I was trying to control things to feel like it was like a way to keep myself safe. So if I can predict the outcome, then I already know so that that way I protect myself. But, you know, realistically, that's not a thing, but it's so easy to slip back into that behavior. So it's just like a constant practice and will be, you know, till the day I die, but. Saves, saves. Yeah. I, yeah. (laughs) I, I think I just, when people ask me, they're like, well, why do you get anxious about that? I'm like, well, it's, it's because I'm trying to control the outcome. I also am one of those people that like, I try to predict people's behavior. I'm constantly pattern seeking, which is a very comedian thing to do, but I'm like, you do this because of this and this. And my boyfriend's like, please stop. <laughs> I'm well, like, I'm it, just trying to stay safe. <laughs> well, I think like that kind of reminds me of hypervigilance, which I have, but I think in comedy can actually be a, a really useful skill Mm-hmm. Because I think it ties in with being able to feel the crowd and feel the energy coming from the crowd so you can gauge which way to go with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which takes time too. Um, but I'm definitely learning how to hone into that better. For sure. For the listeners, could you explain what hypervigilance is? Hypervigilance is when, I don't know if I'm doing the proper definition, but it's when I'm like super aware of things going on around me, so aware that it's irritating. Uh, But it also comes from trauma uh, Mm -hmm. because we weren't, you know, things were always really walking on eggshells and things were unpredictable. So we were in a constant state of evaluating our environment. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, Mm -hmm. it's exhausting. If you're wondering, if you don't experience that, first off, mazel. And secondly, (laughs) the people in your life who do, they need a nap. (laughs) Oh my God. Are you in my head? <laughs> I'm always like, uh, like why? Yeah. And I'll find myself on the downside of that. And I'm, okay. Uh, where is this coming from? Is it anxiety? Is it hypervigilance? Is it just run in the mill, like malcontent? Am I just mm-hmm. been, just been spending all my energy being like, Argh! all day for no reason. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, the brain is an interesting thing. It can go. I mean, I can, turn a situation into something that's so far from reality, like this will happen. And then what if this happens? And it started with such a simple thing. Like it could be, you know, what if I 
you know, hurt my toe while I'm hiking to I'm going to die and get eaten by a mountain lion. Like, right, like right, right. Come from. <laughs> right. It's crazy. Well, yeah. and with that in mind, like, what is your, what's been the most like insane experience either in or out of recovery or both? Gosh. Um, I think when I was drinking, I had so many insane experiences. Um, I think one insane experience was losing my car. Like I had no idea where it was. Um, and I tried writing a joke about it because it's such an awkward call to make when you're calling bars, asking them if they've seen a 2010 Toyota Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, like, it's Arizona, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's kind of humiliating, but like, you yeah. know, like why do you, uh, I don't I don't see one? Why do you ask? It's like because I really like that kind of car, and just like hang up. You know? <laughs> I am the captain of the 2010 Toyota Corolla <laughs> fan club, and we're just making sure that there is representation at your bar, sir. That would have been much better. I'm taking a survey here. I'm and... taking a survey. <laughs> or even That's asking them like, well, like, okay, so if you don't have a 2010 Corolla, do you have like a 2014 Prius? Because I just gotta know. <laughs> You know, like, I would just be like, what do you got then? <laughs> I should have done that. I really should have done that. Like, and, and that's like the insanity of alcoholism is like getting to the point where you don't know where your car is or can't find my way to my apartment. And I've lived there for four years. So, you know, like. What Where's after, my keys? After 17 years, I'm still living like that. I don't know where my <laughs> keys are. I don't know where my cell phone is. I don't. I barely know where I live. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. I know it's like I would say, uh, you know, like waking up to someone you don't know, or like, you know, it's nice to have sex and remember it. But actually, that's not always true when you're sober. Either, so. <laughs> you know, like. Wow, this could have been better. I uh, mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. through a weird phase. Uh, <laughs> I had over ten years, and I just started stand up. I was single, and I'd done all this work about my sexuality and overcoming shame, and just being like, I'm a sexually liberated person. Like all the Gen Zers, man, sex positive. Let's do this. And three men in a row that I hooked up with cried. Really? Yes, Why? I have I have resting therapist face and vagina. That's what it is. <laughs> they were just like, oh, like like they would just start telling me about their lives and I'd be like, I have empathy. I know how to listen and because no one had done that in ages, they would just mm-hmm. <laughs> And I was My like, god. I got to get out of this. And I just stopped <laughs> I just stopped dating for a while. I was like, mm-mm, everybody out here need therapy. <laughs> They're like, come come to me, mama, mama. <laughs> especially, especially comedians. It's like, hey, mommy, girlfriend, can you tell me how to live? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no. Yeah. At first exactly. I was like, sure. And then I was like, no, I can barely tell myself how to live. What am I trying to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's like the pattern, right? It's so easy to like, you know, most boyfriends I had when I was drinking are ones that stay the night and never left, you know? (laughs) So come here. 
Nuzzle in. <laughs> Get comfy. Get comfy. Tell me, tell me about your traumas. Tell me how I'm responsible for fixing them. Okay. Yes, I'll pet your head. <laughs> You're unhappy? Let me let me make you happy. You know, all of <laughs> I like that. I like that they were crying. It's better than you crying. I know, right? I know. Yeah. That's how that's how fiercely feminist I am. I'm like, okay, you're uh, you're crying. I'm gonna need you to take the sheets to the door and get out. Those sheets are haunted, <laughs> sir. You need to take those haunted sheets away. <laughs> I'm glad you feel safe crying as a man, but could you do it safely outside my door? <laughs> exactly. Like this is not the context. We don't know each other that kind of well. Like, <laughs> the, you know, you're probably right. That is probably some internalized patriarchy that I'm running into is that like of course men should be able to cry mm-hmm. you know maybe not on a hookup though i mean that is a little odd <laughs> you know what I I think, mean? yeah i think you have to build a rapport i mean i have to build a rapport before i cry in front right. of someone you know right. what i mean right so it, just, it appears a bit emotionally messy yes yeah. yes <laughs> yeah but so- kind of cool that you have that thing about you but <laughs> like your face is like is <laughs> I mean it makes me get it, it, you know what it, it's actually the reason why I started this podcast because uh, around that time my comedy mentor I walked up to him at the comedy store and I was like these comedians keep coming up to me and telling me all of their problems and it's draining and he said he said okay 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 well first off you don't have to participate in any conversation you don't want to be in you can always just walk away Secondly, that's a really good interviewing skill and mm-hmm. you should start a podcast. And he leaned over nice. to his friend and he said, Hey, Nick, Anna's going to start a podcast. And I said, oh, what are you talking about? He goes, Oh, really? He's like, you should, uh, you should make it about a uh, 12 step, you know, call it 12 questions, ask people 12 questions. And I was like, that's, so that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be, it can be good, but it, it definitely, I had to learn how to channel it into something construct yeah, like so, boundaries boundaries mm-hmm. hashtag yeah. boundaries um, <laughs> they're so important they're and so that- important and they're so hard you don't really master. you don't even i don't i can't even say i'm a master of them but i don't think people can really develop them until their 30s because it's hard. yeah you know like it is and like in the my line of work i have to um, I don't have to, but I teach people boundaries. And so that's helpful in uh, me teaching myself. And so what I've realized is like the boundary is is not for the other person. It's for me. And also, you know, it's it doesn't mean just because I know how to set a boundary that it's super comfortable. Um, yeah. It can be really uncomfortable. And sometimes people are like, whoa, ho, who's this new boundary setter? And I'm like, whoa, who is this new boundary setter? And so... <laughs> I surprised myself too. I'm like, I set a boundary. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like, I'll have to call somebody. I'll be like, I'm gonna pat myself on the back. I set a boundary today. <laughs> yeah, and it's and hard. It yeah, it's and yeah, hard. good. Yeah, it's like you know, time many times inside. I'm like, I want to go back and be like, so are we cool? You know, are we all right? And I'm like, That's, <laughs> what are you doing? That's the so, Marin thing. Are we cool? Are we cool? Yeah. <laughs> are we? Are we? Are we? Yeah. Yeah, so, no, it's definitely, I agree with you that it's a constant practice. Like, I'll be practicing it forever. Forever, forever and ever. But it's a beautiful thing to be aware of. Because prior to that, there was just, like, it's sort of a mosh pit of relationship everything. I couldn't even call them issues. It's like events. And they mm-hmm. just keep happening and happening. And you're like, I got to get some 
you gotta get some structure around this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you don't really always know going in. So it's mm-hmm. like, you kind of have to navigate that situation, go with your intuition and be like, okay, this person I know, I'm definitely gonna set boundaries like right out the gate. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> they give you the personality disorder eyes, you know, they got that shark look. <laughs> They're just like, and you're like, <laughs> Uh, energy vampire. Ah, um. Yep. But yep. <laughs> with all that in mind and all of your important, like, um, cause what you do for work is really important. I know like you probably, you know, got to keep that cool, but like, how do you make decisions in your life? You know, you're helping people, you're teaching people boundaries, you're living your own life. Like, how do you make decisions? I think how I, I mean, depends on the situation, Mm. you know, and I think one thing that I've learned that's important in making my own decisions is being able to trust my intuition, um, which isn't always easy, Mm. but, you know, just like if we just get really basic, it's like, okay, my gut's telling me this doesn't feel okay. And my gut's telling me this does feel okay. But I know that in certain situations, we can't always honor that because it's not like safe to but I try to definitely um, follow that because it's like the strongest thing that I have is to be able to trust my own truth, um, especially in a world where we're taught not to. Yeah, especially as women. I mean, we're taught to yes. second guess all, I mean, all manner of, of ba- you know, boundaries, saying our needs. We're taught that it's just not okay. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, ah, there she goes about women and the patriarchy again, but it's, it is true. It's, I, I had to explain that to, uh, my, my partner, he's in another 12 step fellowship. Um, cause mom was crazy. And, uh, and so he, uh, we were having a conversation about, you know, patterns and about, and I was, it was basically about sex. I was like, well, has anyone ever told you that? And he was like, no, uh, I have never gotten a complaint. And I was like, they teach us not to complain. <laughs> Somewhere there's a group text where they're talking about you. <laughs> and he was like, really? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're more likely to tell five of our friends what kind of weird shit you do in bed than to tell you. And yeah. that's, and it, it's based in the, you know, you have to protect the male ego. And secondly, it's based in um, safety. You know, you're with this, bigger thing that doesn't mm-hmm. want its ego disturbed. Absolutely. But at the well, same time, it takes a lot of power to be like, no, that's what I need. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, when I was drinking, I ended up having sex with a friend <laughs> and it's like waking up the next day and being like, ah, cool. That happened. But I was able to give him feedback around like yeah. his sex yeah. And, and he was glad. I was like, by the way, this is a thing that you do. And I've heard this from other people. He's like, really? Like you could tell he was just like, he didn't Mind. Well, no, he didn't. And I, and he was actually like happy that I was honest with him. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't to be critical or judgmental. It's just like, Hey, if you are concerned with satisfying your partner, here's a thing that you should like look at because you'll have a lot more success if you, slow it down you yeah. know yeah yeah it's, I you, you said like you know I know people are like here I go again here I go talking about the patriarchy but I feel like it's like 
yeah, okay, maybe you're tired of hearing about it, but living it is much fucking worse. Yeah, I'll stop talking about it when it stops being an everyday thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. When it's exactly. Rare, when I'm like, oh, that happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like when I, and, the, and living in California, the off, the once a year I experience racism, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm always like, did you just, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's like, because obviously I'm pretty damn white, and um, <laughs> you live I'm like glowing. <laughs> you live in Phoenix, though, so we could technically knight you an honorary Latina at this point. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, Yay! Tucson. It's Tucson, but it's Tucson. close enough. Girl, I knew that. <laughs> no, I'll oh, take God. it. You're fine. Uh, no worries. What has in your journey been the most interesting thing that you've learned about yourself? Um, that I can like myself. Okay. That's a big deal because, um, you know, talking about women is I was always taught that I shouldn't love myself because, you know, that's not okay. You know, it's not okay. There's always something I need to be striving for, like having a flatter stomach or, you know, better skin or, and so my body has a lot of flaws. And so just trying to learn to honor my body and to like myself um, has been really critical in my own healing. And I think I made up this quote for myself and it helps. And I say, um, one of the most rebellious things I can do as a woman is love myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yes. Because yeah. it not, does it does feel rebellious. It's like, what if I woke up a couple when this all started, my head starts spinning, I'm looking at myself every day, and I said, What if I just woke up today and I radically accept my accepted my whole body? And I was yeah. just like, You you're great the way you are. Yeah, it's it's hard too. Yeah. Um, but you know, how I look at it is it's been so patient and kind with me. Um, that it deserves that much. Um, but it's a constant practice for sure. I, um, I did a photo shoot with a bunch of other women that, um, the militant Baker, Jess Baker did. She's a body love activist. And it was like 99 of us women. And we all had to strip down to, uh, I'll have black underwear on and they're unedited photos. So all of the flaws uh, that we have are, are gonna be seen through these pictures. So everybody's doing it, they're getting their picture taken and my, I have my top on and I am like so freaked out because I've spent so much time and energy hating my body that when I finally took my shirt off, I just fucking bawled. And they were so nice like hugging me because being naked in front of people like terrified me that they were going to be like, gross. Yeah. But then I saw women that had uh, body shapes and body things that I had that represented me and looked like me. And I was like, I didn't see them as ugly. Right. You know, I was like, they're really beautiful. So, and I think just really learning to be okay with that has been really important for me. Oh my God. Thank you for sharing that. What a powerful yeah. experience. Yeah. I think we all experience that, you know, even in when we think a woman has a perfect body, she's mm-hmm. got all the happiness in the world, but you know, due to social conditioning, unfortunately it's just not true. Yes. 
There is the cat behind me is Oscar, and he only does this when I'm podcasting. <gasps> oh, I forgot your kitty's name again. What's his name? Orion. Orion. <laughs> He's been here the whole time. I love it. Because <laughs> he knows I won't get in there. I won't. Mm-hmm. I want. I want to need him like dough. Um, <laughs> yes, I, too. Yes, I. Uh, I, there's an episode of the show Big Mouth where one of the girls is going through some body dysmorphia and her parents, her mom, and their friends all go to the Korean spa together. Really? And have you ever been to a K-spa? No. Okay. At a Korean spa, they take your, you put your, they give you clothes, but you don't wear them. You go in, you shower in front of a bunch of people, you sauna, you're naked. You're just naked in front of all these different shapes and sizes and ages. And, and, wow. you know, there's a woman usually doing a body scrub in the corner behind like a, by, behind like yeah. a, uh, a screen and she's coming out. She's just wearing a bra and she's like, who's next? And like, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very, it's very, um, it's so, I mean, it's so not American. It's so, you know, like you're sitting there, you have to use the little shower where you sit on a little stool, like you're in Japan or Korea and you're dumping water over yourself. Cause you have to clean your body before you go into the hot tubs. And, um, it's a great, you next time you come to LA, we'll go to the K-Spa. It's everything. I would and, love that. Yeah. And that was the, their whole thing is they did like this musical number inside the K-Spa and they're all talking about, you know, it's this very fun musical number about all the boob shapes and all the butt shapes and everything. And, mm-hmm. and that we're all beautiful, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, I, I love that media is going in that direction, you know, that we're being Ugh. like, come on, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I agree. It feels good. I mean, I've been, I've struggled with weight my whole life. I mean, I remember getting teased in kindergarten and to see shows like Shrill coming out, yes. um, it, you know, it's just like, uh, yes, or Dietland or yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, cool. Like, how neat is it going to be when racism isn't an issue for you and weight isn't an issue for me and we could just like ourselves, you know, just based off of who we are as people. Yeah, it's like, hey, how's it going? Like, I'm a human, you're a human, and we're all valid and and ready for love. Right. And I'm I'm hoping that whatever we're going through right now leads to more of that instead of less. Yeah, I mean, I do too. Yeah, I think um, there are positive things coming out of this whole situation, which I know that's probably coming from an entitled place because I I have my needs met. Yeah, but yeah, but I think things are like when they're um, saying, you know, give it up for your cashiers at the restaurants or at the grocery stores, you know, they're there. And it's like, well, shouldn't we have just like done that anyway, <laughs> you know, right. just like as yeah. humans, we could pay them more, you know, like, <laughs> just say, just say, you know, just an idea, just throwing it out there. Right. Right. I, I have a question for you. I heard that the, um, air quality is super like way better in California, LA because people are driving less. I will send you some pictures. It's beautiful. We have like the lowest, California was the first state to enact stay at home orders and our, well, aside from, I think Washington, we were like the, like the next state that did it. And, um, we, 
LA suddenly over, it took a week and LA now has some of the best air quality in the world. And the cars are now getting back on the road and it's just breaking my heart to just watch the smog creep back in. Mm -hmm. But it's been like where I live, I'll send you some photos. It's fucking beautiful. It's it's just green hills, you know, trees are green, flowers are blooming. You know, it's, it looks like, it looks like a Disney scene. It's like, it's gorgeous out here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Please do send me pictures. I mean, you know, in Arizona or what's happening around Tucson is like, I went to buy a bike and there weren't any, yeah. they were sold out, which is mm-hmm. cool. Right. Cause people are getting out more and yeah. exercising more. And so I think that's a really uh, positive thing about it too. Which is, you know, which is for my joke to my friends, I was like, I have a gym membership for when I'm on the road and my favorite place to use it is Arizona because there's nobody there. (laughs) (laughs) I like you walk in, I'm like, I own this LA fitness. This is mine. (laughs) Wow, I'm going to use everything, you know? (laughs) That's awesome. And so I love that, that people are getting out because Tucson is especially, um, it's, I think it's one of my favorite cities to do stand up in because it's so it's so beautiful out there. There's some like secret little hiking trails and it's really mm-hmm. beautiful. People are kind and it's like, you know, pretty liberally minded. There's a little bit of both, which I like. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, give me you red come on, red state. Come on in, put your manga <laughs> hat on. Come on in. Like I like both. And um yeah. and it's a it's a really beautiful place. I think if if one were to live in Arizona, I think Tucson would be the place. Yeah. (laughs) I love Tucson. You know, I mean, as a kid, of course, I didn't have a love for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always like thinking about back home in Oregon and the trees and all that. But now I'm really able to see the beauty. People think it's just sand and cactus, but there is actually a lot of color in the desert. We have a lot of flowers. We have beautiful birds. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and just that spiritual aspect um, that you can feel. And it's so easy, like there's, the mountains are so close, you know, um, and it's like, things are very close for us too. If I want to go to the ocean, it's not very far. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's more of a liberal town for sure. Um, And I've grown to really love it here where as before I didn't appreciate it for for all its greatness. Yeah. It's, it's hard sometimes when we grow up in a place where like, this place sucks. (laughs) <laughs> I came from a better place. Why'd you move me out here? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Exactly. Now I just, I appreciate both, but yeah, um, yeah I, I feel like this is the place for me. Um, I know like this is questions about me, but I, uh, I want to just ask how you're doing and how you're holding up with the COVID-19. I'm doing really, I'm, I'm surprisingly doing well. Um, I just yesterday experienced boredom and my friend said, how even you're so busy. Um, I picked back up with the podcasts. I, it, it really has provided a moment to slow down in a way that I needed to. Yeah. I think that is true for a lot of people. I think that, um, you know, I needed to get eight hours of sleep. I needed to um, exercise every day and be outside in nature a little bit more. And um, 
and it just sort of started to feel like a hamster wheel, especially like being on the road. There were two tours I was supposed to go on, but they got canceled and people have been really kind. Fans have been really kind. They've been buying video clips and I'm starting a Patreon for the podcast and everything is, yeah, everything is just falling into place. And I'm just, every day I just try to, before you logged on, I was like making my little task list and like every day I just try to give myself a little task list. And if I can complete any of the things on the list, cool you know like I'm not trying not trying to pressure myself and I'm going to more of those secret meetings now because I don't have to leave my house Mm -hmm. and that's been really and reconnecting in areas that like in other areas I've lived in and and that's been really really cool reconnecting with those people and good yeah it's been a remarkably positive experience I you know I also understand that comes from a place of privilege for sure like um, you know, having living in a state where they really understood that this was a big deal and that we were all going to need unemployment and mm-hmm. having employers that were cool about the unemployment part. And like, you know, it, it was, uh, I, I know that does come from a place of privilege. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I know that there are people hurting all over the country right now. And, um, and I would say, it's it's a good time to look at our lawmakers and be like, if they don't have your back right now, I don't the, vote their asses out. We don't need them because mm-hmm. they should have your back right now. This is the rich one of the richest countries in the world. Like, yeah, well, we're gonna be okay. Just take a little bit more from the billionaires. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The, yeah, one of the craziest things I've started to do is I'm trying not to um, purchase things from Amazon. And, uh, woo, I didn't know I had an addiction to Amazon. I did oh, not know. Me but, too. Because it's like, oh, Jeff Bezos, you're so evil right now. You're so evil and we can all see it. And so I'm like, like ordering things off of other company websites. And then I find out they're evil. And I got to go, like, ah, like, like <laughs> somebody who can send me face cream, not be a dick. <laughs> so, so if you're listening to this and you're a small business owner, tweet at this podcast. Let me know where I can buy your wares because, wow. Um, yeah, so just trying to be more conscientious and, and that kind of thing. And I, I you saw my cat. He, I got him a week before this all started. Oh, and wow. So it was like the first two weeks, it was just like me and me and Oscar being, we're, we're forming a relationship. And it was just this magical pet time. Oh, good. I, I'm the most happy for America's pets right now. I think America's pets are crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. They definitely are. Like, my dog is like, every time I go somewhere, it's almost like he knows. He's like, is it time that you have to go back out for eight hours? Because I'm working from home. Yeah. <laughs> but I also, like, don't make a big deal when I leave because I learned that that just gives them more anxiety. I act like it's no big deal. Like, I'll be back. You're You'll so be fine. Good. You're such a good dog mom. That's like when I was a kid, I would fall down and I would have like just blood all over me or something. My parents would go, "You're okay." <laughs> be like, "You're safe. You're totally. You're totally safe. You're totally tough." And then they would just like duct tape whatever had fallen off of me back on. You know, like here you go. We're just gonna band aid this on. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> it's fine. It's fine. You're fine. You're a kid. You're fine. You're indestructible. You're fine. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm glad you brought up Amazon. <laughs> it right? makes me think about my own addiction. Like I've been really uh, addicted to birds. Uh, it's like I swear tell me all about the birds <laughs> oh yes yes let me tell you <laughs> so I had these bird houses and I was like the birds weren't coming right yeah so then I was like maybe a bird feeder would be better because there's really cute finches here with yellow chest so yeah I get a bird feeder and the birds aren't coming so I'm like <laughs> googling why aren't the birds coming to my <laughs> Feeder. <laughs> it's like yes. you need a you need a tree or you need a fountain nearby. So what do I do? I buy a fountain. Yes, <laughs> like a bird bath, not a fountain. Because yeah. I'm like the birds will come. And then um, finally, the birds came, Yay. and I was like, "Keep it cool, man. Don't don't let them see. Don't let them see that you <laughs> are so excited." You're at the window, like. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Like exactly just, who do i what do i do i say hi what do i do am i wearing the right thing just walking slowly like keep it cold man don't let them see how excited you are just keep going <laughs> i love it they'll get so used to you my i had a grandparent that lived in arizona and they did the bird thing too if you're listening to this and you're like I, why are they talking about birds in Arizona? Because they get a migration pattern from Mexico up to Canada. You get a lot of birds and they're cool. Mm -hmm. They're badass birds. And so people will like put out bird feeders and then they got to buy slingshots because the squirrels come and it's like this whole thing. And like, so, uh, yeah, the birds were a major, like a major thing. And then my step grandma would be sitting out there with her little slingshot trying to shoot the squirrels off the bird feeder. <laughs> Great. Hillbilly. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, yeah, we're talking about birds, but, you know, they're actually really pretty. So if we're going to appreciate the little things in life, you know, why not? And yeah. I feel like maybe <laughs> this thought entered my head. I thought maybe they weren't coming because they saw me waiting and they were like, she's too needy. Let's go to the next bird here. <laughs> she wants it too bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just out the window like <laughs> <laughs> my my roommate when I, I moved into this place right like as the beginning of all this was happening and it's this beautiful house I live with it the, um, there's another podcast if you listen to them lady the lady podcast uh, I listened to it's uh, Brandy Posey and we're, we're living together and it's great and her dog she has this little dog and his name is Jackson and Jackson is I don't want to say he's a bad boy because I don't want to give him a label, but he is a lot. Bad boy. And he <laughs> bit me every time I walked in the house and not just like he bites, he clamps on, he's like, Argh! like he's like going for it. He bit oh, me no. um, for like the first two weeks of me being here. I like go in the kitchen. I laugh too loud. He'd come over and bite me. You know, like he was, he was just very like, who the fuck are you? You're, I don't know you. You're not my mom. Get out of my house. Like he was just not thrilled. And so, and so one day she had left for, um, on a trip. And one day me and uh, another lady, lady person, Tess Baker were sitting there and he had bitten her. And she's like, you never bite me, Jackson. What's wrong with you? And he was just like, just so mad. And, and I just heard in my head, peanut butter. 
And I walked over with a spoonful <laughs> of peanut butter. And I was like, can I put your leash on you if I give you this peanut butter? And uh, through the power of peanut butter and patience, we are now friends. The, the, tr- the trick with him is you can't want it that bad. And a friend, <laughs> it's true. She's like, she's like, you know, Anna, you just want it too bad. And I do it because he's so cute. You just want to like, oh, you just want to touch his little face. But she can't even like, she can't even rub his belly. He'll bite her. He's just a grumpy old man. He's 14 years old. Addison's disease. His joints don't work. Oh, and yeah. So, no wonder why he's mad. He's mad. He's just like, oh, I'm just I like, hurt. I hurt. I'm on <laughs> pregnazone. Ah, like he's <laughs> So he, uh, <laughs> so this fool, one day he just walks up to me, he walks up to me in my room and I'm sitting on the edge of my bed and he puts his nose against my hand and he goes like that. And that was the day he let me pet him. <gasps> and you, uh, you have the gift. I have the gift. He was like, okay, you're in. Mm, you have the gift and you can only pet his head you can't touch the rest of his body and we're working up to from the top of his head down to his tail i'll lightly stroke him and he doesn't snap at me (laughs) (laughs) that's good i mean i think uh i get a lot of anxiety and uh around judgment and so i'm working on it i'm working on it but like i really when someone like i go to a friend's house for the first time and they have a dog and they say like, uh, uh, my dog can tell if people are good. My dog can tell if you're a good person. Automatically, I like all of a sudden find myself trying to impress the dog, you know, hey, like, dog. A, like a weird stepdad, you know, like. <laughs> you like the TikTok, son? <laughs> You can stay up till after nine when your mom's in bed. I'll give you some treats, you know, yes, whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I think I do the same thing. And the truth is, is dogs can tell if somebody's bad. And that is a different view. That's a different, I worked at a treatment center where we had a therapy dog on site. And one time this uh-huh. other treatment center brought somebody to tour and the guy with her, the dog walked right up to him and bit him. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I've never, I was literally like, she's a therapy dog. I was Whoa. like, she's, she's never done that. And so I called my boss. I was like, just so you know, this happened. And he just takes a deep breath and he goes, wonder what was wrong with that guy. I said, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, but Jackson's definitely been, and just like the birds for you, Jackson's definitely been like an exercise in accepting that like, I'm good. I used to tell him, I'd be like, you're missing out. I'm great. I'm dope. I will feed you truth. I cook all the time. I will let you lick my plate. I don't understand. Like, and, and to just be like, no. And I think a lot of my friends, she'll, she'll come over and Jackson hates her. And it's because she's in that space of anxiety and judgment. And he knows it. He's just like, mm-hmm. I don't like That's- nobody. I don't even like the people I like. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like the people I like. That's amazing. <laughs> he doesn't. He's mad all the time. It's great. <laughs> well, and it makes sense that you have anxiety because for me, it's like, if their dog doesn't like me, that means I'm a bad person. <laughs> so no. it's like you're like in front of the dog going, I know, but like that's yeah. what goes through your head. Like, I'm like, look, doggy, I'm a good person. <laughs> look at the way I'm moving. <laughs> Very fluid. I'm fluid. I'm loose. I'm cool. <laughs> 
like, what is that lady dancing around like one of them tube men in front of a furniture store? <laughs> just, I'm flirted. I got a treat. They're like, oh, just give me the treat, lady. I don't need the whole song and dance. I like you already. Go. I love it. I love it. So, okay. So back to the questions. Okay. What, uh, how, how honest are you with yourself and others? I pretty honest and to be honest um <laughs> I wasn't always especially when I was drinking uh, I couldn't even keep track of my life so now it's to the point where I if I lie I feel bad like I it eats away at me um and it's just things like Amazon didn't <laughs> we'll use Amazon yeah. <laughs> Amazon sent me an extra product and I'm like calling him up like, hey, I have this thing. Yeah. Like, because I feel so guilt ridden yeah. because I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. And they're like, we don't care. Keep it. Keep it. Why are you calling? <laughs> yeah. Like lying does not sit well with me at all, where it used to be a very comfortable place for me to sit. Yeah. Not really, but, you know, it was because I thought it was working for me, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that gets me now is somebody will be like, hey, have you seen this show? You've seen The Sopranos, right? You watched The Sopranos, right? I'm like, yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Or like, you've seen Breaking Bad. I'm like, no. And I force myself to say no. And the reason is, is because I'll just tell them, I'll be like, I don't watch Breaking Bad because I worked in drug treatment when I came out. I just couldn't work twice a day. <laughs> it's stressful to it's watch stressful. it. It's depressing. I used to come to work and people would be like, "Did you watch the last episode of Intervention?" I'd be like, "What's fucking wrong with you?" <laughs> be like, "We work in Intervention." <laughs> I love that you said that because it's so true. About you know, I I was doing a meditation today on um, wrongness. And how we have this fear of being wrong, but we actually can learn a lot from being wrong. So like I would find myself laughing at a joke that I didn't understand or someone would use a big word and I'd just be like, I know it now. I'm like, I am the guy that will be or the gal that will be like, I don't know what that word means. Like, can you tell me what that word means? Or I don't. I don't understand or no. And sometimes people don't know either. <laughs> you catch them. That's right. That's right. Trying to. And, and that's the thing. When you said like your self-love is a rebellion, honesty in modern society is also a rebellion and not yeah. like honesty without empathy is cruelty. Like don't just walk up to people and be like, did you know that you look terrible today? Don't do that. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But like to be honest about who we are and what we know, I think what we know is the really hard one to overcome because we're so expected to know everything. And if we don't know, we're expected to take the time, like, I gotta Google it, I guess, you know? And sometimes you just gotta be like, yeah, I don't know that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fear of judgment or it's a fear that we don't know. Um, But I, for myself, I want to be vulnerable and have other people feel comfortable being vulnerable with me by just saying, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that means. And I'm not Mm going to try to pretend that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's freeing in a way just Mm -hmm. to be able to say that, you know, and like, I, you know, I hate when people are like, 
have you seen this? You haven't seen this? You have I'm like, okay, no. But no. if you want me to say yes, yes, I have for you. <laughs> like, you, you know, just be like, like, I have college degrees. I was busy. <laughs> That's what I would say. I'd be like, sorry, I was busy living and becoming something. Well, I'm glad you saw that, sir. It's, well, it's just like, they're just like surprised. Like, you don't know who this band is? Like, yeah. no, there's so, you know how many bands there are in this world? But also like, I looked up, I, I really looked up the definition of ignorance. And all that is, is not having knowledge about something. So we're all ignorant. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We that's, don't know and it's everything. okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Oh, I love Let's that. Let's do a virtual high five. Uh, 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 uh. what what is with that in mind like um what is your experience of fear and anxiety my experience of fear and anxiety i think my fear and anxiety stems from my core belief about myself Mm -hmm. so what i've learned is what I was um, raised around or what I seen or what I observed taught me to have certain beliefs about myself that Mm -hmm. caused that anxiety and fear. And when I look into the anxiety and fear, you know, it's exactly that. It's usually about fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my experience is to examine it and just sit with it because I think I would fight it all the time. Like, I don't want to feel this way or I don't want to be that way. And it's like, that's harder than just being like, I'm this way and it's okay. And I will get through it. Well, that's where all them defects come out where you're just like, you know, I don't know when you start acting and this has happened to me in recovery where I've had to be like, I don't like the way I'm acting. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like what's coming out of me right now. Why? Mm-hmm. And that's always when I peel that back, there's fear and anxiety there always. Oh, absolutely. And it's yeah. like just giving myself permission to know it's going to come up again in my life many, many times because yes. I get mad at myself. I'm like, I thought I worked through that thing. What the hell? Like, <laughs> why are you back? <laughs> I, what are you doing here? <laughs> get out. You weren't. I did not ask you to come in here. <laughs> I, well, it, it, with, with that in mind, what is something uh, like a, a defect you'd like to change or a defect that you would, you, you're still working on. And that's that for me, like things that come back or things that like every time I discover a new defect recently, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, I didn't know I had that in there. Oh, yeah. Mate. No yeah. problems. <laughs> it's like, I, uh, you know, you're, I know that I'm always going to make mistakes. I just want to make new ones. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. I'm like, okay. All right. New mistake. Okay. I see you. I see yeah. you. So well, like, what's one thing you're working through right now? Um, to be honest, uh, mostly my relationship with my father, um, has been very difficult. So working through that, um, but also another defect that comes up a lot is caring what other people think of me. Mm. So, you know, it's like when my sponsor said to me, 
it's none of your business what people think. I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> it is my business. <laughs> I got in a Twitter fight with another comedian because I was like, they had done a TV thing and I was like, rule number one, baby, don't ever read the comments. It's none of your business what people think of you. And she said, because I, because when, when I did the roast battle thing, I read the comments, like three comments and I immediately called my sponsor. I was like, yo, and she was like, you're no longer allowed to read anything about yourself or your career in print. That's it. Yeah. And especially, especially YouTube comments, it is none of your business what anybody thinks of you. Your job is to be creative and to, and what you think about yourself and Mm -hmm. what you do and your jokes. You don't have to appeal to these other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and Hollywood will ask you to appeal. Like, you know, have you thought about, and have you ever, Ooh, this should be cleaner. And it's like, you don't, you don't know what you want. You keep making the same five shows over and over again. You don't know shit. (laughs) (laughs) and so like to have um to have that direction and her it was actually the the boyfriend of that comic messaged me isn't it our jobs to know what people think of us and I was like no (laughs) our jobs are to be excellent and Mm -hmm. that's it and Mm -hmm. if other people like that that's great and if other people don't like that we can make decisions around that but Mm -hmm. we don't have to focus on what other people say because there's only toxicity in that, especially on the internet. Oh yeah. And I think, you know, for me, it's like wanting that validation, but learning the best kind of validation I can get is only going to come from me. Um, And that's critical to know. So I don't feel like I need that from others because I used to think I needed that from others. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like I wouldn't want to read comments. I mean, when I was, did that photo shoot that I told you about, mm-hmm. it was all over. Like it was, it made it in like <clears throat> all over the country, like different magazines, like Amazing. Vogue. I think Red I've Book. seen this. I think I've yeah. seen it. It's like, and everybody's yeah. all kind of lined up and then she had like different formations and stuff black and white they're yes. black and white pictures yeah and like yeah, you're a star yeah I well at the time I was like just don't show my face because of my job but yeah um I'm really glad I did it but I did make the mistake of reading the comments no and it was horrifying and I had to like it's not helpful to me to to have that because it's like when I first got into comedy I would ask people for feedback and I was I realized like I'm trying to like take all the feedback Mm. and I can't, I have to like do like my own thing because right. Like we can have the same premise for a joke, but we have our own perspective and just really owning my own perspective. And instead of feeling like I have to accommodate a certain type of person. And I say this from experience, from doing it, you cannot people please your way into a career. Absolutely. There's only so far it can go. And I tried. And eventually those people stop feeding you what you want. And then you're like, ah, no. Yeah. 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 I've tried too. It doesn't, it doesn't work. I think Mm -hmm. it's, you know, like people would say, you shouldn't tell that because it's not going to appeal to men. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't want to offend them. But now I'm like, the best feedback I got was from my friend and 
uh, comedian Stina, Stina Salido. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, I was watching you on stage at Laughs, and she's like, women love you. I was like, yes. yes. Laughs is oh, one of those play- <laughs> oh, where people, women will come up to me afterwards, and they'll be like, you should have been the feature. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, I loved you. I wish we had more of you. And I'm like, the club owner is right over there. Tell him right now. <laughs> right now to his face, ma'am, please. <laughs> because there so- are so many women that go to that club. And if you want women in the seats, put women on the stage. That's I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. Being one woman out of the three dudes that performed. Which, you know, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear your perspective, too, because you've been through things that I've not experienced, like, you know, the roast battle, Comedy Central, all of that. That's a lot of attention to, to have to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that's a lot of... A lot, but like a little at the same time. It was, it's a niche show that people really enjoyed. Um, but there were some weird moments in that, some stuff where, you know like a producer asked my boyfriend if he wrote my jokes and some stuff where I got a crash course in (laughs) that this industry is not, it's not logical. It's very random. And I'm, I'm ultimately the end of the day it two years in, I, you know, I worked hard for that and I earned it, but at two years in, that was kind of a fucking miracle. And the last three years have been about, um, putting in the time and putting in the work and uh, being grateful from what I got from that experience. Yeah. And I'm so grateful. And I, you know, I, I still love those kind of jokes. Somebody sent me, they were like, I'm doing this helium's putting on this roast of different cities. Can I run my jokes by you? And I was like, obsessively, like once that part of my brain turns on, I'm just like load evil. And then I like, so I just started sending him evil jokes and he was just like, Oh, that's really funny. And I was like, use it. <laughs> um, but it's, um, I'm really, I'm really grateful. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about the entertainment industry still. Um, but what I do know is that everybody feels like it doesn't fuck with them enough. Like they're like, I don't know why the industry doesn't like me. And everybody feels <laughs> like they, like they're trying to meet some expectation. And there is one thing, this will happen to you because you are so funny. You'll get that big break and you'll think this is it. I'm a professional comic. I'm going to be touring. I'm going to be doing all this stuff. And the truth is, is there's a lot of people with TV credits. <laughs> so you go, from, you go from one line into another line. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you're just like, oh, I'm at the back of this line now. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it's dealing with those unmet expectations from, but I'm so grateful for recovery because if I didn't have that, I would be, I don't know if I'd still be doing comedy right now. I'd probably just be some bitter old bitter lady just being like, ah, you know, or maybe I would have gone farther, but I also would have, you know, compromised my, my values, my core values to such a degree where I wouldn't have been, I just wouldn't have been happy. And I wouldn't have been able yeah. to tolerate who I was. And so, so there's, it's, 
it's a whole, the other thing you'll find out, I don't know if you'll experience this. I was talking to Brady cause she doesn't drink. I was like, it's hard to feature for headliners when you don't drink and you're in your mid thirties and you're in a relationship. Like they don't, what's the point of bringing you? They can't touch your boobs. They can't party with you. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you're no fun for not letting me not touch your boobs yeah, without listen, consent. Listen, if you're a headliner and you want a feature who will wake up early and work out with you and make sure that you eat three meals a day and order an Uber, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like uh, holler at your girl. I'm like a regular person to tour with. And, and like, I will cause no drama to your life. Like I'm just here being high. Like what's, what's up? High on life. So, well, no, I, I think it's, it's great. Cause like the longer I'm sober, the more I learn about myself. I'm like, oh, I can do that thing because I started when I was 13. So I, yeah, there, I feel like there's like some delayed things because that's like really formative years, you know, as far as brain development and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Um, obviously not as much as like when you're young, 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 but it, it, it matters, right? Because yeah. you're considered an adolescent until you're 25 years old. Right. See, so it's like, I and think I was like, out here eating acid, doing yes, yes. watching hail bop fly over in Arizona. Yes. Sky. <laughs> exactly. Doing all that stuff. And like it, it affects, like it really yeah. affected. I have a very kid like personality and yeah. And I know that's like a lot to do with my family too, mm-hmm. but also I have a friend that, used with me for the same amount of time she's sober now but we have so many similarities in like mm-hmm. how we see things so it's just interesting to learn that and nobody in comedy has ever seen me drunk except for my friend Charles because he knew me before comedy wow. but they like they think I'm a prude like it's yeah. great like my yeah. ex-boyfriend was like yeah, I was with this girl, who, uh, like, who's a comedian. She's like, how did you get with Mo? She seems like a monk or something. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Seven years ago, I would have tried to fuck you and all your friends. Like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that was. I didn't have worth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, man. Um, what is your experience of forgiveness? I think that's a process um, around forgiveness and depending on who I'm forgiving. <laughs> but I think <laughs> forgiveness is necessary and it gives a certain kind of freedom to be able to move to the next level. Yeah. So I can hold resentment. You know, I love that saying resentment, um, pre, what is it? Resentment causes, hold on, I'll get it. I'll think of it. Expectations lead to premeditated resentment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. Um, because I do have expectations that this person will change or it'll be different. And yeah. so once they do that, then I'll forgive them. Yeah. Um, but that's not how it works. Um, it, forgiveness for me, I'll, I'll just wrap this one up is, is not acceptance of what happened, but more of like, forgiveness of myself and to know that we're all flawed humans 
Girl, that was my experience. And it took two rounds through the steps and going to therapy, being kicked into therapy. I had a sponsor tell me she was like, you're going to get outside help or you're never going to fucking call me again. (laughs) She goes, call me back when you've made the appointment and tell me what day and time it is. And I was like, (laughs) and um, that was my experience dead on. It was accepting who I was in that moment. And Mm -hmm. You have to relive it a lot of times, especially with like the old stuff, the trauma, the neglect, the abuse, the whatever, like that stuff, I had to relive it. And it was like swimming through a swamp. And then one day I woke up and it was like, I I finally understood what freedom from active addiction was. I was like, Mm -hmm. whoa, this is amazing. And um, that's why that question is there. They, uh, my thing I, I really like that. I really like that. And I also find that it's a little bit of um while you're talking, what occurred to me is my grandmother, who I had to give a lot of distant past forgiveness to, because she's she's a therapist with an undiagnosed personality disorder, 100 <laughs> percent The only way I can the only way I can communicate with her is if I treat her as if she has borderline. And that seems to work. And I'm not a medical professional. I don't know what's going on, but she's very, she's very difficult. And every time I get off the phone with her, I have to take a moment to forgive her. It's like every conversation we have, I have to be like, I can't believe you just said that. And I forgive you. <laughs> like, that's I so good. I just yeah. realized that's what's, what's been going on. Cause I get off the phone with her and I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> I'm like, whoop. Man, she is still a lot at 87. <laughs> I think that's a good place place to be though. I mean, yeah. I don't I'm not I don't think that I'm that as far as long, as far as along as I would like to be. Like I watched my sponsor who's no longer my sponsor, but she's been sober now for God, 26, 27 years mm-hmm. and she had awful 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 abuse and she was still able to like take care of her mom, even though her mom had a history of being extremely abusive. Uh, and I always thought, wow, like I can't even talk to my dad on the phone without wanting to strangle him. Mm-hmm. So I'm not there, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's really deciding around forgiveness and boundaries. Like those two things, you know, Absolutely. That's, well, that's a struggle. Boundaries are not a, a lack of forgiveness. It's it's an act of love because it's like, I True. always try to remember consistency is a kindness. Consistency is a kindness. And if I'm consistent with my boundaries, this person with no boundaries will know how to act. Because when I was using, I would run up against people's boundaries like it was my job. And then, mm-hmm. and I would be furious because I didn't know, not just because of the boundary and I don't like the word no, I also didn't know why they were so mad at me and I didn't understand why they were so, why I felt so rejected by them. And it was because I was crossing their boundaries and they weren't sitting me down and saying, you dumb idiot, you're crossing my boundaries. Love you, but you got to stop if you want to be in my life. And Mm -hmm. so like having that consistency is, is tough. It's, it's really tough with a, especially like an aging unwell person, an aging abusive person. It's like, yeah, because then yeah. They, they turn into children again and they're just like, I, you know, it's like, no, no, mm-hmm. stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. That's such a good reminder that it, it can be an act of love. 
Yeah. Um, because I forget that, you know, and, and that's really important. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you. I just, yeah. I just try to remember that it's like, it's, it was so hard because I wasn't, no one's born with boundaries and especially addicts. We're just not. And like, I remember how hard it was to not know where anyone's boundaries were and to constantly feel like I crossed them. It's mm-hmm. the A number one reason why I, I apologize for things I shouldn't apologize for. I apologize to my roommate for getting too much. I was like, man, I'm sorry I get so much mail. And she was like, why are you apologizing about the mail? <laughs> I'm laughing because I can relate. Like yeah. I apologize to someone who was a jerk to me. I'm like, I'm sorry I upset you for nothing. Like, yeah, and it's like, like doing? no, no. It's like, and that's a boundary I have to keep with myself to be yeah. like, no, dum-dum. You have AAA auto insurance and God damn it, they send you too much stuff. That's just the way it is. It is. Cinda. All the time. All the time. I don't need a West Waste magazine. I've never read one once. Stop, I, don't need, I don't need to know that I still have insurance and what's going on with Cigna. I don't care. Exactly. Like, I have Thank it. you. I have insurance. It's great because I live in Arizona where there's nothing for people of a social safety net. So <laughs> I love I love that. I love that. Um, yeah. yeah. I've missed you, Mo. You are such a delight. Oh, my God. You are, too. I missed you, too. It's so good to see you. I was really happy and excited that you asked me to do this. Yes. So thank you. Yeah. Sorry about the scheduling stuff. I am fixing to have a co-host, um, but he's oh. on the road right now. So in one of those states that's open and having comedy shows, I'm like, you crazy. You crazy, fool, but he's out there. So, um what is uh, the weirdest amends you've either had to give or you've gotten? Oh, the head is back, ladies and gentlemen. She's <laughs> contemplating. Um, I think... Uh, I think an amends that I've made that someone didn't know that it was even a thing like apologizing and making amends and they're like, what? Yes. What? Like, I don't remember that. You did that? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, JK. Forget about it. Ah! Like, <laughs> well, it's because like, you know, when I was using it, um, I was always a victim, mm-hmm. you know, poor me and me, 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 me. And so I did a lot of shitty things. And so, like, remember that one time when I did that one thing and like, and they're like, I don't remember at all, but I've been holding it forever, you know? <laughs> and they're like, girl, don't flatter yourself. I moved on. But I'm like, I haven't. <laughs> in my first year, I would lay in bed at night and my brain would just play a greatest hits of things that I was embarrassed yes. over about just all day, just like current stuff, past stuff. Let's go back to second grade. Like, just yep. like, like oh. it was a like shitty DJ in my brain being like, let's do scary memories. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> oh my God. I remember waking up after being drunk and like texting people and apologizing and not sure if I should be apologizing, but good on covering my ground just in case. <laughs> I, I once he's on this pod he's been on this podcast before and he's also uh my co-host to my other podcast chupa in the pod and um uh he 
his name's Carlos, Carlos Delgado. And one time he got so hammered at a party. When we walked up to the party, we were meeting him there. He was running away on his tiptoes. You know how drunk people run? And he was running away on his tiptoes. And I was like, are you okay? And he's like, I gotta go. And I was like, well, where are you going? He's like, I don't know. And I was like, let's go back to the party. And we walked into the party and he fell down onto the floor. He, he tripped walking back into the party. So he fell back in and somebody looked at me and went great you brought the problem back and i was like i'm not gonna have him this is los angeles he can't be run around drunk and wild like that yeah so anyway, yeah you tell me what happened he apparently peed on things he was just really he was that <laughs> kind of drunk right and so and we're trying to it's a new year's party we're trying to do the countdown and, he, and we're like 10 and he's like Hey, they're like, shut up! (laughs) It was so funny. It was not funny to anyone there but me. And and I finally, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna order him a lift, and we'll put him in the lift, and it's gonna take him home, and then it'll be fine. I get a call five minutes after loading him into the lift, and the lift driver says, "Um, uh, "Your friend, I was at a stoplight. He just got out of the car," and I said. Well, sir, he belongs to the night now. <laughs> Have a good evening. <laughs> and I just hung up the phone. I was like, there's nothing we can do. So the next morning I had to call him. I was like, hey, we got to talk. He was like, what? I was like, I think you owe some amends. He was like, what do you mean? I was like, yo, <laughs> just call the host of the party and ask them. That was uh, and that's was, the worst. He, he, he called me back. He's like, Anna. <laughs> it is the worst and you know I, I have people like would say like remember when you did that thing I'm like no I was shit faced I don't remember they're like yeah you did this thing and you're like please don't tell me I don't want to know anymore like I don't like I used to be in a bit I've been in a few bands and I sing and so when I was drinking I showed up at a venue and I just hit the ground I just passed the fuck out and I just remember I was a vegan at the time and I remember there was a guy there in a band that his name was Sean and he's like trying to make me eat a burger. <laughs> he's like, you need something in your belly. You need more. You need some hamburger and some chips. And you're like, I was just the cow. <laughs> turtle on its back. I'm like, fine. Just take me. Fine. But like those people like like to remind you, you know, like remember that time? I had to be that person. I was like, I think you need to be aware of what happened last night. <laughs> we need people like you. I'm not shaming you. I'm not. I'm just letting you know. I thought it was funny, but everybody yeah. else was not into it. <laughs> no, and I get to do that now too with friends. Yeah. Like, oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you what you said. Let me tell you what you yes. did. And it's not from a place of judgment. It's yeah. like a place of concern. Just so you I've know. been there. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's, it comes with being a comedian and also being in the program is occasionally you got to be like, hey, <laughs> you all right? Because yes. uh, <laughs> you need something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, my friend Charles said, remember that one time? when you called me at like six in the morning and asked me if I wanted to hang out when you were drinking and I said no. And you said, fuck off. And then hung up. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) I looked looked at him. I was like, I wasn't drinking. (laughs) 
That's right. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I was sober. <laughs> I've done some crazy stuff because, because I use so young and I have such a childlike personality. Like you said, I love the way that you said that. I've done some crazy stuff since starting comedy and people will be like, are you sure you don't drink? Yes, are you sure you're not happens. drunk? And I'm like, no. Yes, I've gotten that too. Yeah. You can just like get, I swear, if you, if I'm tired, that's equivalent to me being drunk. Yes. Yes. My boyfriend said that to me. He goes, man, is this what it's like when you were drinking? I was like, shut up. I'm making eggs. <laughs> it's true. Like I get really loopy and goofy when I'm tired and it's like, I don't even have to drink. Just get me tired. Yeah, just get me tired. Give me a Red Bull. You know what I mean? I'll be like, whoa. You know? <laughs> it's true. It's true. With everything going on right now, how are you maintaining your day-to-day life? I maintain my day-to-day life because of what I do for a living is super heavy. So in order to be present for others, I have to have things that I do every day. Um, And so my day-to-day life is taking walks with my dog um, several times a day Mm -hmm. and meditating and also art I love to do art like paint and things so that's how I live my day-to-day life but also always um working on myself Mm. you know really trying to work on myself and know knowing that it's a lifetime of work uh, and just trying to be a decent human being is really what I'm trying to do. Be a decent human being to myself and be a decent human being to others and don't hurt other people because I did a lot of that when I was using. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how I live my day-to-day life is just try to be present with others. Ask people how they're doing, you know, because I, I used to forget that I had to tell myself, ask them how they are doing. It's not all about you, you know? <laughs> so I think just providing space for people to, um, because I'm working from home and being present um, is really important in yeah. my day-to-day. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thanks. It's Let's not perfect, see. but it, yeah. It never is. I, nope. I had to finally, to get myself consistent with a 10-step, I put an app on my phone, and then I still forget. I'm like, yeah. and then I, I, so I reminded my Google, my Echo Dot to remind me at night to do it, and I still forget. <laughs> <laughs> do you have the the AA app on your phone? It looks like yeah. the book. That's uh, what I have. Yeah, I have. What is it? It's. It just says. I just looked up one day. I was like, I wonder if there's an app for that. It just says tenth step, and it just says twelve. It looks like looks like this got bill w oh yeah yours is different and then what you do is you just do nightly inventory and it asks you questions and then you explain it's pretty cool actually oh that is cool yeah and um uh but yeah i still i still forget i'm not perfect Mm -hmm. i'm never gonna be perfect i'm just Mm -hmm. just perfection is an illusion man it's an illusion it's a prison is really (laughs) what it is I but, well, and like here's a here's a question. By the way, uh, what is perfection? What is perfect? I don't. I don't. J Lo, J Lo. 
right? Maybe she is pretty perfect. She is pretty Actually. perfect. Which is I follow her on Instagram. She's great. She's a great follow. <laughs> she is. Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, there's a team of people making that happen. Yeah, a team. She's not just like. And genetically, she was just born, like, tiny and, you know, but there's a team of people and a, a, a swimming pool full of money put into that perfection, both mm-hmm. inside and out, that, like, I think, I don't think there really is true perfection. I think. I don't either. Yeah. It's like. I don't either. There's just not. It's an illusion. It is an illusion. It's an illusion. And it's something, I. it's such a, um. It's such a thing the human brain does because the human brain's like seeking. I wonder if it's an evolutionary thing where we're like seeking some sort of perfection for like evolutionary standards or something, but like we're not in that. We're not in that anymore. So now Mm -hmm. we've turned it into art, to writing, to our jobs, to our family members, to how we parent, to how, you know, where it just turns into this like mind fuck that was just originally meant to keep us from, you know, fucking the guy with a flipper. (laughs) that's that's what i think (laughs) i love it you know it's like it's good and you know i facilitate groups um twice a week every week for my job and you know it's very common that people are like uh, like women are like um i don't know if i'm doing a good job as a mom or i have mom guilt or I don't know if I'm living up to this and it's like, well, what is a perfect mom? You know, what is yeah. it? And, and then when they sit with it and I sit with thinking about per- what perfection is, I can never come up with an answer because yeah. there, it's not a thing. Like even somebody saying JLo isn't yeah. good enough. That's not, that was not like a real per. Like she's a person, but she's not like a, like I met her. And I was like, oh. You I did. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a bit about it. My friend took me to Vegas to um, <gasps> on my birthday because he works with like another person who works with her, and I got into backstage the whole nine. It was really cool, and um, I looked at her like a crazy person, and I basically yelled <laughs> into her face, "You're an inspiration," and she. The look on her face, this has come up recently, the look on her face was just like, oh no, get it together. Like, <laughs> but I'll, I'll call him every once in a while and be like, girl, I'm a bookkeeper. I know how much it takes to make her that perfect, okay? <laughs> like, that's not real. That's, a, that's not real. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, maybe just knowing that inspiration is all around us. Like you're an inspiration, you know? So it's like, you're freaking hilarious. I love you. When you stayed the night, I was like, wow, I I couldn't believe how easy it was to talk to you and um, just how much wisdom you had. Seriously, I was like, I love this woman. She's amazing. I didn't see it coming because you were supposed to stay somewhere else. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, I didn't know what I what yeah. I was doing. You know, I was getting myself into it. I'm like, could you like, never leave? That would be so oh, cool. <laughs> we'll see each other soon. This COVID thing will be, it might be 2021, but bitch, we will see each other soon. We should just, <laughs> we could keep this Zoom party going. It doesn't have to just be podcasts. So yeah, girl, I'm doing a cry party. I'm going to a cry party tomorrow. If you want to join, just, oh, just really? throw it out there. Yeah, just my wait. friend is doing oh, wait, it. Wait, crime or crying? Cry. Cry. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I've had a lot of problems. I can't cry. Like I haven't really let it out. Mm. And my friend is a, she's a death doula and yeah, she's amazing and she's super talented, but, um, she's going to do this thing where we get together and just get to process. Send me the info. Send me the info. I'll consider it. I'm not going to, I'm a hard maybe. I (laughs) like, Ooh, Ooh, I'm already for that. There's yeah. Have you you ever done breath work before as a meditation? No, I mean, I've done breath exercises but what I don't know that I've done breath what's breath work it's basically like okay honestly it's hyperventilating so (laughs) I'm not kidding so like if they lead you through a meditation while you're breathing in this way that's like (sighs) and like kind of yeah it's like you breathe two breaths one in your stomach one in your diaphragm and then you breathe out and you hallucinate a little bit because you're hyperventilating and every time they were like, just so you know, a lot of people cry. And every time I'm just like tears, mocos, the whole thing. And I'm just like, Oh wow. <laughs> I don't, it's just, it's yeah. I, I can it. solidly say I've not done that. That I sounds amazing. <laughs> if you like hallucinogens when you were using mama, let I me did. tell you. I did. What a journey. It's great. It's great. <laughs> it's like two hours. You wake up relaxed. You're like, ooh, I'm so relaxed. It's really? Do you, do you do it um, online? Like, do you, how do you? You can do it online. I'll send you the online resources. And there's another lady, um, a friend of mine in the program, her, his cousin uh, does it here in LA and I can send you those resources as well. Yeah. Um, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually pretty cool online. I didn't think because you can lay in your own bed. You're not laying on a yoga mat in some studio trying to make (laughs) yourself comfortable. You're like, you're in your own bed. So I was just like, I got up, I was like sweaty and, but like super, I was like, Ooh, Ooh, the memory foam. It was nice. It was nice. nice. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your experience of higher power? Like, do you have big God, little God, no God? What you doing? Um, so my, I think the God of my understanding can change and shift. Um, I love it when someone said dog is God backwards. Yes. I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> my, okay, my sponsor says this to me all the time. It comes up on the podcast. I know I repeat myself, but if you're tuning in to this part already, you know what's coming. Um, <laughs> but there, it, my sponsor would always tell me that she knows there's a presence of a God. She doesn't know what it is, but she knows it exists because every time she sees a dog with its head out the window in the car, if you think about that, it. it's just pure joy. It's just, oh. we live on a planet where cars and dogs are together and they're just like, ah! like that's to me. And now every time I get in the car, it's really hard to have road rage in LA because everybody's got a dog and everybody's <laughs> dogs with their head out the window. I'm like, yeah. Hey, what's up, God? Oh what's my up? God. <laughs> I took, I've taken video of my dog with his head out the window because yes. he looks so happy and like have a song in the background. Yes. He's just like. He's, just, <laughs> he's a happy 
boy anyway he's just like yeah oh it's so cute it's so it's like it's an inspiration actually it's like wow look at because i think we often wait for this other shoe to drop instead of just really being okay in the moment with happiness and feeling happy and feeling good Mm -hmm. um but yeah as far as back to the question about god i don't really know um yeah i um i believe that we're all connected energetically Mm -hmm. um and you know i i think all i know is i know nothing yeah um I hope God is a woman. <laughs> I, I mean, over. no, it doesn't have to I, be a woman. <laughs> listen, I've met men and I don't think that they have the executive functioning to pull off God. <laughs> they don't know how to multitask. Like they they can't, they can't, you can't, you can't ask them to listen and fuck at the same time. You know what I mean? like, that's, I don't think they have this this skill set. God. <laughs> well, good point. It's, I don't know. I think I've always struggled with a higher power. You know, like mm. I, I really struggled with being terrified of death mm. is a thing for me. So that's been having me kind of like get more in touch with that. Like I've gone to meetings where people talk about their near death experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I started, um, going to a training uh, to be a volunteer in hospice because I want to be a death doula, but COVID came along. Yeah. So I think that's something I'm still figuring out. Is Can I ask you what yours is? Or Yeah, it's pretty much the same. I don't know what it is. All I know is it's big and it's got a fun sense of humor and yeah. that it supports me. And that's it. It's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty simple. Um, I've had to deal with a lot of death in my life. My, both my parents passed when I was pretty young and I, um, I understand. Um, I think the reason why I started comedy may have been a low key midlife crisis at 30. Cause my parents didn't make it past 60. Wow. And so I, I think I, you know, I've, I've definitely had to look and talk about death a lot. Death has happened a lot around me. Your death experiences happen a lot around me. And, um, I remember, uh, being in college doing anatomy lab and I just don't have squeamishness around bodies. I just don't. A lot of people do. I don't. And I think it's because I know that my relationships with my parents are still ongoing and there, you know, there'll be moments where like, I just know that like, it's like the pre it's like a presence of my dad and I'm still like processing the relationship that we had in the physical world. I'm still processing that relationship, but as an adult, so now I get to see it from different eyes. It's not, this isn't fair. You weren't the right dad for me. It's this is, it wasn't fair, but you were doing the best you could mm-hmm. and you weren't the right dad for you either. Mm-hmm. And like to kind of live in that, Um, but yeah, I definitely, definitely have weird, like sort of mom, dad brushes with energy. I don't know what it is, but I know they come around and, um, and so I, I don't have much of a, um, I don't know if it's an outright fear. I I would hope it's like defects and I'm like, what's the next chapter going to be like? 
Mm-hmm. Well, and you said something, you know, that's very interesting and like our, as we get older and as I, you know, through sobriety, it's interesting how our perspective shifts. Mm-hmm. So we might see this thing this way, mm-hmm. but now it's like seeing it in a totally different light. Absolutely. And I think that helps me with forgiveness with my dad because he shows up the way he does because of his trauma. Right. So that's helpful. Um, but I'm also curious, sorry, I just, I'm just yeah. really curious. Like, are you afraid of death? I don't know. I know that death around me, I come to acceptance pretty quick with it. Um, I know that I've worked a lot through grief. Um, I know that when I got, I got sick a while back and it wasn't, there was a moment where the doctor was like, we're pretty sure it's not cancer, but we got to double check. You need an ultrasound. And I was experiencing a certain type of anxiety and I'm not sure if it was a fear of death. I think it was a loss of control of my body. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's a good question. I guess that's something I really got to explore, but I, when friends die, when parents die, like of my, my friends, a lot of my friends have lost parents in the last couple of years. And it's been interesting to share my experience, strength and hope with them. Um, having done the work that I've done, but I haven't luckily faced, I mean, I've done like skydiving and, you know, extreme sports and karate. And I haven't been faced with a true, you could die situation to really know. And it doesn't mm-hmm. pop into my head otherwise. And you would think with COVID, cause it can't happen. You know what I mean? But it's like, you know, I've seen, I've seen quick death with my mom and I saw a long, ugly death with my dad. And I just try to, my therapist and I we were talking a little bit about, you know, it, what this time makes me makes me think of in terms of like fear of death is I'm, I'm more afraid not to live as much as I can. Yeah. And and it's like, I want to, I want to live hard. Um, When I'm, when I'm pumping on all cylinders, when I'm spiritually right, I'm living hard. Like every second feels like a, like meaningful. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she said, okay, well, I would ask, I would challenge you to live right now. Like you could die tomorrow. You know, what would you do for you if you could die tomorrow? Are you going to beat up on yourself today about, you know, not opening your mail or are you going to make something that brings you joy and maybe do a face mask or do some yoga or do something where you can experience joy inside of yourself. And that that's kind of where I'm at with it. But to, to really fear death, I, I would challenge you to watch on Netflix. If you have at the time, they're short episodes, a show <clears throat> called midnight gospel. I have started watching it. I girl get to it. the end, get to the end. Oh, that last man. episode, get to the end before you do your cry group. Get to the end. Because okay. it's so... It's, it's it, tomorrow, so it, I better get on it. Get on it. It really, it really, after the third episode, it really cooks. Like, you just don't want to yeah. stop watching it. Well, I struggled with the second one. Because, the first and second episode are not that strong as the third. Yeah. Well, and, and I was, like, trying to adjust to the amazing intense conversations that are going on, but all of the chaos in the background with the animation. I was like, 
which one do I focus on? Because my ADD was really kicking Me, in. I'm just like, all of it, all of it. <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah! Like, it, it really, really spoke to me. And um, uh, the last so episode is very much in line. I think it's maybe one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I was just, Whoa, I was really? like, yeah. Yeah, I Oh I, man, I, I'm excited. Yeah. Just thinking Thank about you. the last episode gives me chills. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Good. And I think it's good for listeners of your podcast to hear, you know, what would it be like for you all out there to live life as if you were gonna die tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I think that's such a good reminder. You know, it's like I have had a brush with death because I had cancer. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And I think that's what led me to think about death because I can't have children because of the cancer. So that was like, what happens when I die? Who will be around? And then I was like, oh, wow, people don't talk. We don't talk about death. Like we normally just don't talk about it. And then I was going through this training and I realized, wow, like death can be just as beautiful as birth. If we made it a beautiful experience, and had someone like a death doula by our side yeah. or someone to walk us through it, it doesn't have to be scary and it can yeah. actually be really beautiful. And I learned the last thing that goes is your hearing. Yeah. So people think you can't hear, they, they can't hear. hear you, but they can. And that's so powerful because people are like, it was so weird. It's like they waited for me to show up and die. And I'm like, it's not like, actually not. They, they did. They, they, could had hear. To, they had to know you were okay. And that's, yep. That's very, that's very important. That's, I, I love that. And I love that you're on that journey and I'm, what kind of cancer was it? Ovarian. Girl, that's what they thought I had. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, or a uh, uterine. Cause I had, I had two giant fibroids, like two big ass grapefruits in there. And they were like, we don't, these things are really dense. We're not sure what we're going to see. They were that big. Yeah. And they were hard. They had to be peeled like apples, like wood. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad it, it wasn't. Me too. And I had to sign all these releases there. Like if we get in there and you're just chock full of cancer, we're going to pull out your uterus. And I was like, okay, like, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to die. I don't think it's time to check out yet. So, mm-hmm. and, and it, and it, there is a very small chance that I could have children because there's so much scar tissue and so much damage done that, there's the likelihood I'm in my 30, late 30 is like the likelihood I can have children is super low. So I've definitely had to go through that um, experience with my partner. I'd been with him for six months. He's eight years younger than me. And I told him, I was like, we should break up. He was like, why? I said, cause you deserve to be with a woman who want, who can have kids with you. And he said, I know you want kids. And he said, honey, there's so many ways to be a mom. You don't have to, you don't have to. And honestly, if you think about it, Dana Gould has a bit where people are like, oh, because he has two adopted children from China. And he goes, they, people walk up to him and they say, they say like, oh, your kids, what was, what was it? What made you decide to adopt? And he's like, I just want to say like, I'm in a mall. So I can't just say like, well, my balls are full of genetic poison. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, you can't, you can't say that. So I, I think that I've seen when my dad died, his funeral was the biggest funeral I've ever been to. It was program people hanging off the rafters. It was people singing and reading poetry and 
the wow. waves were crashing in the background. And I think death can be a really beautiful experience and knowing how you live your life and how, what you do for others, that whatever that experience will be for you will be beautiful. And that what we leave behind is our relationships. You know, yeah. we leave, we leave those relationships and knowing what you do for a living, knowing who you are as a person, there isn't, there is a lot of you in the world. A lot of the mo- the best parts of yourself are in other people. That's such a, a beautiful perspective. I, I really love that. And I think, you know, going back to the children yeah. thing too, uh, like it's so ingrained in women to feel like our purpose is to breed our purpose is to have children so having to like like deal with that and knowing like I'm not flawed because I can't have children yes and working through that was really critical and I and I actually have a joke where I say you know people tell me my friends like yeah you can always adopt I'm like oh my god I forgot to tell you I have adopted um a carefree lifestyle <laughs> exactly it's like if you mess with little kids kids are crazy but it, it is this it's this mind fuck of like how am I a woman if this doesn't work for me yeah and um and it's like at the end of the day I'm just open to what the universe brings you yeah. know except for the fact that I have an implant right here because in order to not bleed all over the floor all the time I have to be on birth control constantly oh wow <laughs> But I did, you know, I remember the doctor, she was like, as she's putting it in, she was like, you know, you're in your late thirties. You should be thinking about having a kid. And I was like, I was like, ma'am, I've done the research on this birth control. I could take, you could take this out of me today and I could be potentially pregnant within a month. And you don't even know if I can have kids. It looks like an old catcher's mitt down there. (laughs) What are you doing? I've seen the ultrasound. It's a fucking nightmare. Okay. It's like pictures from Skid Row. Get out of there, you know, like, so. Tense. Tense, you know, just like things living in my fallopian tubes. Like, hey, your boyfriend should have washed his dick better. Ah, bacteria, you know, like, it's, it's a nightmare. Oh, my there. God, I love you. You know, so it was like, leave me alone, lady. Like, but I, I'd be curious. I mean, and I don't mean to say all that to diminish your journey or your like you. I mean, oh you no, really I don't brush with death. How, what stage cancer was it? Four A, girl. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, I, I'm lucky that they caught it in time. They they caught it because I didn't want to work that day. <laughs> That's the truth. Like I did, always got like bladder infections, so I was like, yeah, I'll just go to the urgent care. They'll give me a doctor's note, and I'll get to play at home all day. Well, that's not what happened. They like went to the hospital. They're like, we see like something's up. They sent me to the hospital. They did a sonogram and I could tell on the lady's face that she was like, Ooh, this this is the, this is the ultrasound or sonogram face that you never want or MRI face. You never want to see. Uh Oh, yeah. Eyes wide. And they just suddenly are like, everything's fine. I'm going to be right back. <laughs> and then they just like zip away. And You're then like, they, they go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they just put you on a stretcher. They're like, please don't walk. And you're like, what? <laughs> I've been walking. I walked here. Hold well, on. the lady, I'm so grateful for the nurse. Cause she's like, 
I think we need to do a sonogram. And, and in order to do that, we're going to have to do a catheter. I was like, no, I'm good. But she's like, I really think you should. And so thank God wow. for her. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Being sober and having that happen, like, honestly, I, I do love life. Well, I, no, it's helped me love life. So, yeah. like, I am a kid. I sometimes can't sleep or I can't wait to get up to, to start the day. You yeah. Know? Like a little kid, you know, um, when I'm in that good space. And so I just go back to, you know, people who listen to this podcast. I really hope that they take something away from what we're talking about and just know that yeah. it's okay to like life you know mm -hmm. and some days we don't and that's okay too but to know mm -hmm. that it's not weird to like yourself it's it's okay yeah. to really live life yeah. um yeah and my, my experience with my own medical stuff and it wasn't again they were like it's not serious and i'm like i'm anemic like the how do i explain this the um forced me to acknowledge the connection between my mind and my body. Oh, wow. How I was, so? I was always, especially when I was doing karate, I had to, I sort of had a attitude like, yeah, this is my big dumb meat suit and I'll do what I want with it. Mm. And it really forced me to acknowledge that, yes, I had to go through, it brought up the death stuff with my family. It brought up, it was like, all this stuff was happening to me, but things from the past started to bubble up and all those fears. And it's like, I remember my stepmom kind of, she, she's trying to show up for me in the best way that she could, but it freaked her out. She was like, what if you die? And I'm like, now is not the time. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Whoa, we're not there yet. You know, this like, is not helpful. This is not helpful. I love you, but like, go sit down, you know, like, this is my time to be a mess. You go be, you be the solid one. I want to be a mess right now. And so, um, just, and it's kind of a horror show when you have serious surgery like that, cause your body goes through all these changes and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, I just really, um, I really, uh, enjoy that, uh, that thing. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Yeah, no, I'm glad you, you were also able to make that connection, you know, yeah. because, you know, I won't go on too much longer, but like, I used to be 369 pounds. Okay. And, and I had weight loss surgery when it first came out like 17 years ago. Damn. And they did not prepare me for what that does to your body. When oh, you yeah. lose weight that quick, you have a lot of excess skin and the only way you can get rid of it is surgery. So cosmetic surgery. So, but it's everywhere. And so that's part of my journey of like having to be okay in my own yeah. skin. Yeah. You know, and I hope that everyone can be afforded that to like feel okay in their own skin. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's important. Yeah. You answered the last question without me ever asking it. I'm always like, what do you want to give away? What do you want to tell somebody just like you? And bitch, you answered it. You are so, Yay. we're so tuned in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So, uh, where can people find you and find your comedy? Uh, I'm on, you know, I don't have a page or anything, but they can find me on Facebook, Mo Urban. Okay. Um, on Instagram, I'm some mo comedy, and okay. Twitter, some mo comedy, and some I have videos on YouTube. 
some mo comedy. Yeah. Look her up. She is funny as fuck and she's amazing and you're so smart and it shows in your jokes and I'm always like, mm, it's so, Thank you're so you. amazing. Um, you. And if you're in Tucson, fucking support her. You see her come up on an events page, go, go. And if you go to that comedy club in Tucson, you want to see her, get the manager and tell them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or just say, hi, hey, I heard you on uh, the podcast and I'll just, I'll give you a big hug if you would like. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Um, where you can find me is at Anna Via's phone on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaValenzuela.com. Um, the podcast is at 12QPod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we will be waiting for Patreon approval. and We'll be playing videos of uh, these interviews so you can see what people look like and see what their houses look like and their cats look like um and we'll do some additional content with that and um how we end this podcast every time is i say mo if nobody's told you this today i love you thank you hey if nobody's told you this today i love you thank you and, and you people listeners exactly that's what i say okay guys, <laughs> i'm putting this on the record since we were talking about death if i catch the covid and die i'm passing the podcast on to mo she's on top of it Oh, I will take it. That's such an honor. That's such an honor. (laughs) (laughs) I bequeath my 300 listeners to you. (laughs) I will take it. I will take all of it. (laughs) I love it. Mo, you're so great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Thank you. You're amazing. You are. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay. Thank you.